so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. I'm going to talk about a ripoff in just seconds. Coming up later in today's Clark Rageous Moment, I have an update for owners of Ford vehicles. You have a family member or friend who owns a Ford. You need to hear what I have to say in today's Clark Rage. And coming up yet later, I have a really neat story about someone who got fired from his job, took the experience he had, and now is making more and is happier than he's ever been by reinventing himself with the knowledge and years of experience he already did have. Good stuff. I want to tell you that I have had more confused people who are school teachers, workers for nonprofits, people who work at some hospitals, organizations that offer as a retirement plan the ripoff 403B. The 403B plans are, I mean, it's a scandal that this is how we treat our school teachers with these just horrifically inferior retirement plans to what the rest of us have in 401ks. And in questions that I've taken from people over the years, I've talked about getting out, getting your money out of the crummy 403b plan and how you do that. And I've talked about something known as surrender charges, where the insurance company handcuffs you to their absolute trash with at times massive penalty fees for exiting from their ripoff plan and putting the money into your own IRA at fees that can be 140th of what you're being charged in that ripoff 403B plan. And every time somebody talks to you at school or in a hospital or at a nonprofit about a 403B plan, remember, 403B equals ripoff. Remember that. Do not forget that. So now I have before me a long-form analysis by a financial planning firm that found that if somebody's relatively young, you would even make more money paying a 40%, 40% surrender charge to the insurance company over your working lifetime, moving that money to an IRA, you'd still make more money than paying the ripoff fees that the insurance companies impose on you. Now, that's an extreme example. Um, more often, someone will be hit with a surrender charge of 15%. And the reality is, if you've got uh, typically 10 years or more left of runway till you're going to be using the money, it's worth it by their analysis to even pay the insurance company their ripoff 15% surrender fee just to get out from under their ripoff uh, phony, horrendous charges that you pay in a 403B plan. Now, the only exception to this that I know of, the only one I know of, is if the plan you're being offered is by TIA, T-I-A-A. Um, now, a lot of people who work in school districts, either the union is getting kickbacks or other people are getting kickbacks at the school district 
in order to recommend to you a hideous retirement plan. And this should not be allowed. You should not be uh, making other people rich and in turn hurting your financial security long term. And unless there's any form of match on a 403B plan, follow this rule. Ignore the 403B that's offered to you and fund your own Roth IRA with one of the low-cost companies as a way to protect yourself from being cheated. And who thought it was a good idea to cheat teachers, people who work at nonprofits, and people who work at many hospitals? This is just flat-out wrong. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, David. How can I be of service to you? Well, I want to talk to you about a Tesla, but first I want to also thank you because I was just listening, and as a school educator, uh, we don't have many options, and I make too much money for a Roth, so it, it saddens me. I have a 403B, but I'm probably paying those those high expenses and, and wish there was something else for us to do, but I appreciate you getting it out there. So um, for you as a teacher who out-earns what you can do to do a Roth IRA, you can still, with a little bit of extra work, you can do what's known as the backdoor Roth. Can we only do like 7000 a year? And 7000 like, Yeah. Is it better to do that than to put the 20 some thousand that we can put into our 403B pre-tax? Well, fantastic that you're doing that much. And it's a hard one because with the 403B, you're going to be handcuffed to it. You know, because of the surrender charges, you're going to have to, when you retire you're gonna have to make a choice in moving that money and and taking the pain of the surrender charges to get out from under the high fees the only other thing you could do is give up being able to put money aside pre-tax there's no match on your 403b or is there not there's no match you could open a regular investment account and put the money into straight index funds well, if you mm-hmm. did that with Fidelity, you'd pay zero. You know, they have the Fidelity zero funds, no commissions, no management fees. And the tax treatment of index funds is favorable enough that it would probably over time net you more money, even though you'd be using after-tax dollars, than getting the upfront tax deduction doing the 403B. That's how awful 403B plans are. I'm going to look into that. appreciate it. Sure. So you said Tesla is what you're actually calling yes. about. What about so it? I, I'll make it quick. I've been uh, looking at a Tesla for about a year. I own a car that self-drives, um, and I don't have to put my hands on the wheel, but I keep hearing that you have to keep your hand on the wheel for our autonomous driving. I'm wondering, have you heard, is that going to change? Because of like my Cadillac, they allow me to not touch the wheel, and yet I hear if I buy this Tesla, I'm going to have to keep my hand on it. All right. The Cadillac system is novel and brilliant. For people who aren't aware, it only works on roads that Cadillac, divided highways that Cadillac has mapped. And if you live in an area and you drive typically on roads that Cadillac has mapped, then the self-drive system on the Cadillac is extraordinarily great and all you have to do is you have to be looking ahead because it reads your eye movement as you know correct and that is a if if it works for you in terms of the roads that are covered 
it'll be a superior self-drive to what you'd have with the Tesla. So the Tesla, you do have to keep your hand on the The thing I like about the Tesla is I can drive it to work. My work is all back roads. It's about a 50-minute commute. When I'm on the highway, it's wonderful with the Cadillac, but it's not doing what I need to get to work. So with the Tesla, I could probably still have it self-drive, but my hand would have to be on the wheel is what you're saying. Yeah, so what happens with the Tesla, every approximately every two minutes, you have to give the steering wheel a little nudge, and it gives okay. you a warning on the dash when you have to do that again. So if you're in very heavy traffic, they'll do it more often. If it doesn't sense a lot of traffic is usually how long's your commute how many minutes about 50 so you, you said that so you would like 25 times typically you would have to give the steering wheel a little nudge okay and the advantage of the tesla system is a road doesn't have to be mapped their system is designed to follow the lines on the road now if the roads you ride on have very poor paint jobs for the lines the Tesla can't do its thing. But if the roads are very well lined, then it's pretty close to flawless. Well, that's been very helpful. Thank you. Sure. And I, I'm glad you're going to look at that thing about the 403B also, because you very well may find that you're going to net a much more comfortable future doing the zero cost index funds than doing the 403B because index funds throw off so little taxable problem each year. Emily's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Emily. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Emily. I just have a question. I'm in Florida, and I'm wondering how much uh, someone should spend on daycare. How do you calculate that cost? Um, Well, it, it ranges anywhere from a very minimal amount per week. I mean, like in... Some markets, there will be very low-cost daycare at like $25 a day to uh, there are many places that you pay $100 plus per day. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like a um, value judgment on the part of a parent, you know, trying to find a place that you feel comfortable leaving your child, that you like the atmosphere, you're happy with the staffing, the level of turnover with the staffing, the cleanliness of the facility. It, it's not one that I could say, oh, well, if you pay $80 a day, it's going to be a great place. Right. Now, the site Fatherly has the average monthly cost around the country. And for Florida, the average cost is 1250 approximately per month. Mm-hmm. That's like 60 a day, right in that so range. So just based off someone's income, should you do as much as you can afford or should you do the bare minimum? Well, I would look for um, if there's any, uh, if you're religious and there's any religious-based facility that is available to you, uh, many times those connected to churches or mm-hmm. to various religious community groups will tend to offer the best combination of good care and good facilities and reasonable prices. If I have one of those it's within walking distance to my house. That's what the one I'm looking at, actually. It's Christian-based. And how much is that one per week? 
Um, it is, I can't remember now. I've looked at so many of them. I didn't write it down. It's not cheap. It's like probably one, uh, per week. 170 per week children. is actually very inexpensive. That would be a lot below the average cost. Okay. So if you're happy with the facility and uh, you like the the culture there and the environment of the facility, that seems like a, a bargain relative to what these facilities can cost. Great. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And, you know, the thing with your child... If you ever have a sense that the place is not performing like you'd like, that you're not comfortable, that you have doubts about leaving your child there, don't sit on that. As soon as you feel that way, that's when you move a child to another place. Today's Clark Rageous moment is actually a follow-up that is for people who own Fords. You have a family member who owns a Ford, friends, make sure they have a heads up about what I am going to share with you right now. Scams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. I told you months ago about an investigative series in the Detroit Free Press about severe problems with two Ford products, the Ford Focus, the Ford Fiesta, And there are 2 million people who've been affected by vehicles with defective transmissions. The defective transmissions have caused a number of issues for people in their wallets, but also with potential safety problems. Now, there was a class action lawsuit filed so long ago. All right, get this. The class action suit about the problems with these two vehicles from Ford was filed eight years ago. It took eight years. And really, I think the investigative series by the Detroit Free Press probably is what pushed this to a settlement. But there's no cap on payouts to people who owned Focus's Foci? Focus? How would you say plural of Ford Focus? or Fiestas, and who had the defective transmissions. And so Ford has to pay what it takes to make people whole, essentially. And this is all about you if you are uh, someone who owned or owns a Fiesta or a Focus filing a claim to be taken care of. So the things that also came out that were unbelievable was how Ford knew forever that there was a problem with the Focus and Fiesta model years 2011 to 2016, and that Ford would had a procedure where everyone was trained to blame the consumer when they were having problems with the transmission as a strategy to avoid paying for the repairs to these. I mean, this is just crazy. So a lot of people finally bailed on them. There's somebody who was uh, profiled in one of the stories I shared with you before 
who tried to get the vehicle repaired at Ford at her Ford dealership eleven times, and then when she was driving one day, and the car stopped working on the freeway with vehicles flying all around her, that was when she decided, I got to bail on this thing, and just got another vehicle. She's the type of person who's eligible for the money on this, but this is shocking that a major American company had a conspiracy to actually deny claims, to lie to people, to continue to build them with this problem, even when they knew internally there was a problem with the vehicles. So shame on Ford. Glad you're doing the right thing now. So glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. So last decade, we had so many people who had to reinvent themselves. Even though the Great Recession ended the decade before, and supposedly according to how economists judge an economy in 2009, The reality is, for most Americans, the job market remained terrible till 2012. And then we've been on a steady upswing since 2012 with employment, with the overall economy. But we have been in in a time that people have not had to really reinvent themselves for the most part in recent years as the job situation has been so positive. But there are times where if you're pushed, you might be able to reinvent yourself and live a much better life. And I want you to think about this because, you know, times don't stay great forever. You know, there are the times that your employer will go bust or they'll close a facility or they'll lay you off or whatever. And I've always said to people when that happens, for you to draw on what you know, what you learned what experience you have, what training and education you have. Because your best opportunity in your next chapter draws on those things. Well, listen to this example. It was a neat profile that was in the Detroit Free Press about a guy named Brian. Brian, his whole career had been a car salesman. It's all he'd ever done, really. That's what he knew how to do. He worked extremely long days, and he gets let go. And it's like, what's he going to do with himself? He's got young kids at home who he never really got to tuck in bed because he was working all the time. And he decided, you know, people really don't like buying cars. They don't like dealing with salespeople. They hate going to dealerships. By the way, he's right on all those things. There was a study done by the folks at Auto Trader that they tested on thousands of consumers about how to make car buying better. And what they learned is people want it delivered to them at any location, any time, quote, and they have a trade-in, they want it picked up. And then this quote, they basically don't want to go to the dealership for certain parts of the buying transaction, which was a polite way, end quote, 
of saying they don't ever want to go to a dealership. That's why Carvana has been such a hit and why CarMax now offers in many markets the option of just letting you pick out a car online, just having it delivered to you. So Brian figures, hey, I'll be people's car buying concierge. And here's the neat thing. He doesn't charge anybody. He gets paid a commission by dealerships because they just need to move vehicles and they pay him what they'd pay a salesperson, but they don't have any of the other overhead with him. He sells Mazdas, BMWs, Mercedes, Hyundais, Kias, Subarus, on and on and on. And so everything's word of mouth. He's selling about 35 vehicles a month. He's home to tuck his kids in bed at night now. He's much happier. People come to him who want to buy a vehicle, not people that are like, well, no, I don't, not today. I just wanted to look at this. And so now it's just viral that it's spreading, that people are coming to Brian and wanting to buy vehicles the Brian way, which is he goes through this question thing with them to figure out what vehicles they might want to consider. He has them check those vehicles out. Tell them which one they want. He delivers it to them. They sign the papers at their office or at their kitchen counter in their home. He takes their trade-in back. And it's amazing. If they don't have a trade-in, he Ubers or Lyfts back to where he got the vehicle from for them and drives his own vehicle home. I mean, it's, it's really so interesting that so often... In life, we undervalue what we know and how it could serve others. And we may be working somewhere and we're like, why do they do this this way? This would be so much better if you did blah, blah, blah. But you know, businesses have a hard time changing how they do things. And that's why there's always opportunity for the experienced individual particularly who's good with people and a sales kind of thing, who come up with a way to serve people better that they're banging down his door figuratively, wanting him to handle the whole car thing for him. And think about yourself, what you do. You don't have to be laid off to then reinvent yourself. If you're just going numb from doing what you're doing for who you're doing, whom you're doing it for, whom, who, whatever. Anyway, why not get out there and be your own boss? Jamie joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Jamie. So you went out there and uh, found a lot of stuff about yourself. Tell me how that all came about. So often I get you know, unsolicited calls from numbers that I don't know, and I usually try to do some reverse search to see if I know who it is. And I decided to reverse search my own phone number, and I was astonished when I came across a website that literally had my age, my relatives' names, all of the addresses that I've lived at for my entire adult life. And I feel like we use our phone numbers for so many things that anyone could just Google my phone number and find out where I live. So I'm trying to figure out the best way to get this information removed from the public domain. So... I hate to tell you that only residents of California have a way to restrict 
access to information about themselves. So if anybody, do, do we really want to freak people out? Let's do it. Okay. So if anybody does what you did and you just go like to Google and you put in your phone number, more often than not, all kinds of personal information will come up about that individual. What kind of things came up about you that made you really nervous? The biggest one is my address. Right. Because we, we use our phone number as a login for store retail cards and, you know, on applications. Anyone can have your phone number and you don't think it's really personal information. But if they can now Google it and find out where I live, I'm just worried that somebody could just show up at my house. Exactly. They have my phone number. Exactly. I mean, the access to data that's available is so extreme. And so I have something for you to do anytime you're signing up for a loyalty program or anything like that. You should get a free number called a Google Voice number. Okay. And give that number. And that will be, that'll be your number as far as, um, any store knows, but it should not tie back. Normally, it would not tie back. It would be a very unexpected, unusual event if it ever tied back in any way to you and your home address. Okay. And so um, getting, getting a, um, like a spoof number like that is really a good thing to do. And it may even be helpful, as was suggested to me after I last talked about this, I had someone make a suggestion to me that you get a number with an area code far from where you live. Because when you select okay. a number with Google Voice, you can select one usually and just say what part of the country you want it from. And that way it's not anywhere near you. So it's much less likely to tie in physically to the part of the country you live in or specifically where you live. Okay. So if you were to Google Google Voice, <laughs> you'll find out how to set one up. Do you have Gmail? I do. It's really do. easy if you're a Gmail person to have a Google Voice number. Okay. But the the that's only a tactic because the real answer is someone who is not in the public eye should have the right to do what every 400 and some odd million people have the right to do in Europe, which is simply called in the right to be forgotten, that you register yourself, and once you do, any information out there about you has to be wiped out of all databases so that you can rest easy that no stalker or anybody else will be able to find their way to you. So. Okay. That's the real answer. I mean, what I'm telling you is just like a Band-Aid. But, right. but at least take advantage of that Band-Aid. I will, and I may even consider changing my primary phone number in addition to the Google Voice number. That's interesting. You know, it's funny because people used to change their phone numbers regularly because if they switch from one cell phone provider to another, you got a new number every time you switched. And now your number follows you, which has advantages and disadvantages. Agreed. So Agreed. And maybe, maybe someday 
the politicians will do what's right to protect our privacy. And by the way, using an expression Band-Aid, I was not encouraging you to buy brand name ones, buy generics of those and save money. Bob's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Bob. Hey, Clark. Honored to speak to you. Great to have you here. So um, my question has to do with planning a trip for a group. Um, We're taking a Boy Scout troop uh, from Wisconsin to uh, West Glacier um, National Park. Wow, uh, that is such a magnificent journey. So our plan was to take the Amtrak train. And uh, I was looking to get the best deals um, possible. So, you know, when I started looking into it, I looked at the website and got some prices. You know, they have, uh, like, their saver prices and value prices. And once I got the uh, group um, actually booked, I was talking to the reservation um, person, and the prices he was giving me was actually more than what I was uh, able to get if I was going to uh, just book one or two tickets at a time. Right. Okay. So it's one of the things about the travel industry. Groups pay more money than individuals. So how many scouts are you taking? Well, with scouts and leaders, there's going to be about 30 of us. All right. And... uh, in their booking engine, if you book online, are you allowed to book seven at once? Is that what I remember? Uh, it was eight or nine. I okay. Think. So what you do is you get a bunch of the dads together with laptops, and you all try to book simultaneously individual tickets. Okay. Because that will potentially save you quite a bit of money. You know, there's this misunderstanding, and people think that if they – say to an airline, well, we've got 25 people that the airline's going to be just so excited and they'll give you a big discount or that a hotel would, or in your case, Amtrak. But they figure you're a captive, and so they rip you off. Right, and that's what I'm, I'm getting at. <laughs> also, though, with Amtrak, they use a different kind of system with the airlines in that They have so many tickets at the cheaper price and so many at the next step and so many like that is more and more people book. And you could be in the midst of trying to book 30 people and you could run out of those cheapest seats. And and that's what the group reservation person told me. And and that's why I I got 30 seats held right now, but I don't need to pay until 1st of March. But I'm just kind of thinking, do I just keep this group reservation or do I try to book why don't you see why don't you see if you can get the the four people together okay sitting with the laptops and and each of you look at inventory if you can hold 30 seats you know among the four laptops at the lowest fare then you all click to purchase at the same second and you'll probably defeat their what's known as yield management system and get all the tickets at the cheapest price it's amazingly easy if the four of you are sitting together at one table trying to do this, you'll see if you're able to pull it off and save all those scouts' money. Aaron's with us on the Clark Howard Show. And Aaron, you have a 14-year-old who wants to invest. Is that right? Yes, it is, Clark. And uh, <laughs> how did your 14-year-old get interested in investing? Well, we brought up the option to him, and he's always sort of been uh, 
interested in money and he loves to save his money and see it grow. So we thought this was something that could last long term for him and allow him to learn a little bit before he has to really, really start investing. I love that. And, you know, now you can buy um, small amounts of many different stocks, the way stock buying now operates and uh, your son can trade as he wishes, commission free. So he can learn a lot, uh, make mistakes, make good decisions. And how much money is he going to have to do this with? Well, we haven't really gotten that far. We're trying to determine what would even be a good starting amount. We really, I don't know much about it. I just put my, you know, investments in my work 401k. So we don't really know what our options are or what would be a good starting amount for a 14-year-old. The easiest is you can go into a Schwab office or a Fidelity office. You know, you know, those two big investment companies. Uh Uh-huh. So, I mean, you're in Massachusetts. You're in Fidelity's backyard. Yes. Uh, so you could go to a, take him to a Fidelity Investment Center, open an account for him. You have to be the custodian. And then he can start, put in some money, and then he can start trading. And you okay. can let him, give him as much autonomy and freedom as you want, or you can restrict what he does based on how you feel he's handling the responsibility. Okay. Would you suggest any sort of like learning tools? Yes, I love friendly? I love humbledollar.com. I recommend it to okay. adults too. Good. Okay. And Humble Dollar has specific sections on investing and talks about the strategy of building portfolios, how you do that, what you look for. They even have something called Portfolio Builder and walks you through how you do that stuff. It's really geared towards adults, but it would be great for him at 14 to get the fundamentals of investing and get to it. And I want him to go to an actual Fidelity office with you and be there opening an account and make it as, I mean, it'll be completely real versus something you do on an app or online. He'll do stuff online, but I want him to open it in person so it, it just completely immerses him and what's involved in becoming an investor. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.